0: So, this evening, I would like to look at, in a way, what I would call a basic, possibly fundamental habit, which could be grasping, and how, in a way, meditation could help us to find the freedom to move from grasping to creative engagement, and to see that the place we can do this as uh, John mentioned already is feeling. but personally I think even more interestingly it's at the moment of contact and so that's what I like to look at because it seems to me that in meditation practice because in a way we are in an environment which is more silent where we have a schedule then we have much more the opportunity to start to see that that moment of contact and in a way at that moment of contact with our senses do we creatively engage or do we grasp and i think when we meditate on a meditation retreat it's much easier to start to see that point of contact and to start to see that actually we might have more freedom there than we imagined And so in a way when we are in contact, contact with a sound, contact with a sight, contact with a smell, a taste, a thought, a sensation, in a way the question is, do we grasp or not? Do we creatively engage or not? And in a way I would say meditation is a process of de-grasping. And I think that's why when we sit in meditation, as I mentioned before, even if you have what you might call a bad meditation, I would still say that at the end of it generally, you have this feeling of, the feeling of releasing. And I think by the cultivation of concentration and experiential inquiry, we, in a way, over time, this releasing happens because of the space and the clarity that is developed and so in a way the buddha was very much conscious of suffering you know what to do about suffering and in a way he was pointing out how does suffering happen when does it happen and yesterday john was talking about in a way the suffering when we reject and in a way today I want to look at a little this kind of moment when we can grasp and what happens if we grasp and what happens if we creatively engage and I would generally say the less grasping there is generally there will be less suffering (laughs) so just to briefly kind of uh, see that in a way grasping and rejecting as John mentioned already as the same effect. We are kind of actually either holding positively onto something or holding negatively onto something. For example, if you have a problem with somebody at the office, they said something, they did something, or they did not do something, then the thing happens, it lasts maybe, I don't know, 10 minutes, and you think about that. They did not do this, they should have done it you get into your car you continue to think about that person you get out of the car you continue to think about the person you talk to your husband wife or you are on your own you think about the person you do the washing up you don't have a washing machine and you think about the person and my question would be that actually the person has not asked to be in your head they've not done any, I mean they did something then five hours ago but they did not ask to continue to be in your head and in order to see when we do this negative grasping we make something continual. and there when it's not necessarily need to be there and I would say creative engagement is more what happened what can I do about it or should I just wait and see what happens next and so in a way to see first the mechanism of this grasping process when there is a, the contact of feeling so here is my little uh, party trick some of you have seen it but I think it's always good to see it again so this is for the one who have not seen it so here this is very precious and it belongs to me oh it's the greatest truth in the universe and I have got it so either way it is precious it's mine so because it's mine and it's precious then I hold on to it so I do this if I do this for any length of time two things happen the first one is that I get a cramp in the arm And so I would say that generally when there is grasping there is tension that when there is tension to look a little where is it what is it I'm grasping at but I would say worse than that if I do this I cannot use my hand my hand is stuck to what I am grasping at and to me this is a more important point about the grasping to see that actually it stops us when we grasp at something we actually reduce ourselves to what we grasp at and then that's why also there is tension because we become much smaller and there is no space for anything else i am there that's it we kind of stuck together so (laughs) what could be the solution to this Situation, one solution is to cut the hand. But it could be a little drastic. Huh? So we put it aside. That would not be my favorite uh, solution. So this is an aesthetic solution. Next solution, we get rid of the object. No object, no grasping. But really the object is not saying come 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 you really want me don't you (laughs) we think it does but not really the object came upon condition and is there and it's me who thinks yes my i did it so i don't think that getting rid of the object is a solution but i think in a way what meditation does is actually we start like this and then over time meditation helps us to open our hand and then we can be in contact with the object because it's useful or for whatever reason but it can move it can come back there is openness there is movement that's what I mean by in a way creative engagement because often when we talk say non grasping means like hmm I don't do something. On or, or detachment which I don't like to use because this implies you know even more above things. But to me it's more this openness, and within that openness, then we can be creative engagement with what we come in contact with. And so what happened when we grasp? First, I think it's very important to see, as John mentioned already, when we grasp. There is identification. The two come together. We grasp at something because there is an identification. It is mine, this is happening to me. There is some connection with I, me, mine. Then because we identify and grasp, then we solidify around what we grasp and identify with. Then by solidifying, we isolate ourselves with it. So then we limit We reduce ourselves to it, and then, this is the worst thing that happens, we magnify it. This is very important to see, that when I grasp at something, generally, I magnify it, and I reduce myself. And then it's very hard, impossible for the creative potential to come in there. There is no space. And so I think what is important to see in terms of the meditation and the awareness is to see that when we grasp, we generally do two things, either together or separately. One is we exaggerate. We come into contact with something, we hear something. Wow, this is greatest, fantastic, most fantastic music in the universe. Or it's the most fantastic person in the universe or is the most amazing experience in the universe or it is aware it's most terrible and it's interesting to experience how does it feel when you say i cannot stand it i mean generally we can't stand it but I cannot stand this noise I cannot stand this person when we were in Korea uh, we used to share the room the four uh, women together kind of a, quite a small room and then our only wish was that if they were not there then really we would feel much better you know and then they would one time and all of them were gone and within a day I realized it didn't make much difference <laughs> my rumination or whatever so it's interesting that what we add the way we exaggerate is fantastic it is terrible and also what we do another thing we do is proliferation which leads to abstraction example you I presume all of you by now must have walked around the garden and I presume you might have noticed down here There is this very pretty camellia with red, this very pretty flower. So you come out and you see the beautiful red camellia. You see the red camellia and you can just be creatively engaged with the beauty of it. Or you can see the red camellia and, oh, I like this red camellia, Mm. How can I get such a red camellia? I mean, where would it go in the garden? Where could I get it? I mean, could I get it in that garden center? And you see, by then, you are in the garden center and you're not with the camellia anymore, even though it's in front of you. This I think, is important to see, that you move from the contact with what is in front of you for example, and if you grasp and identify, I want this tree in my garden, off you go, how am I going to get it, and actually you move away from being with the beauty of the thing in that moment, as it is, it doesn't mean that at some point later on you cannot get the camellia in your garden, of course, but just to see what happens in that moment of proliferation. And to me, this is what is interesting to notice because sometimes the grasping goes so fast we can notice, more, notice it more in the exaggeration if you see yourself, ah uh-uh, ah, exaggeration what kind of grasping is going on? Ah, uh, proliferation and we're coming back again to the beginning to that point of contact So what I like to do now is to look a contact in experience in terms of when I come into contact through the senses how is it what can I learn there so you have the eyes you have the visual object you look at things you see things and I had this morning I presume most of you must have had this experience of seeing the frost I saw this frost and what did you do? Was it just this beautiful, wide, countryside? Or was it this, oh, gosh, it's going to be cold, ugh, I don't know if I can go out, and or what did you do with it? Did you just stay with the view as it was, creatively engaging with that, or did you proliferate or exaggerate in any way? Once I was on a retreat, uh, for a month uh, but, um, we were the people, but we were in silence, 30 people together. And so my, my job was uh, to uh, cut the vegetable in the kitchen. And so every day, 8 o'clock, I went to cut the vegetables. And I cannot eat bell peppers of any kind. Green, orange, yellow, whatever. I cannot eat peppers. And every day, I don't know why this is, was in America, and every day I was confronted by a pile of peppers. Red, green, yellow, orange. The cook really loved peppers. And I wondered what to do with all these peppers. And suddenly, when I was walking one day, I saw clouds in the sky. And it was a beautiful sky, and there was this cloud where just something kind of passed through it. And I saw then that I had the choice. I could see the peppers like the clouds through the sky, passing through my vision, and then me cutting them. And then they would get into the food, and I did not have to eat them. Creative engagement. Or the peppers could actually be like these things going through but instead of going through and passing by they would fall onto an hedgehog you know what an edge of porcupine you know if you had a porcupine and you had the peppers falling onto the porcupine (laughs) what would they do they would rot instead of passing through and I saw i had the choice either the pepper were going to rot and it would be a little unpleasant or they would just pass through and voila so i decided the creative engagement and i just happily cut so in a way to see when we see something what do we do do we creatively engage or do we kind of grasp in a certain way another thing we do we've with uh we've we see or people we see is proliferation and that sometimes can be very harmless but sometimes it can be relatively problematic I remember a few years ago I was in Sweden I'd been invited to give a retreat and I was teaching in this little center therapy center kind of place in Stockholm and there were three doors and these dolls seem to have all the same name but with something different. And it looked very beautiful. The names look very beautiful, but one, the different bit. And just seeing that, it was just seeing the dolls, three dolls, which we never used. And this name where a bit was the same and the rest was different, but looked very flowery and very beautiful. I thought, ah, the center belong to three sisters and these three sisters work in these three different rooms so at the end of the weekend i asked the ladies oh about the story of the sisters and look at me what is he talking about and i said well look at the doors oh they say this is the blue room the green room and the yellow room but in danish which to me sounded like women's slaves. And so the whole weekend I've been thinking about these three sisters and how wonderful. (laughs) And so in a way to see we see something. And if you grasp at it in a certain way, you can go so far away from it. And to be careful. I think, again, as I said before, the imagination can be useful. To be careful when we go into this proliferation. And also in of our daily life to look at when we see something when we look at something and that's why I think for me I see it as practice when I go shopping or when I walk in a street with lots of shop windows or if I go into a big kind of supermarket to kind of look at it and what is interesting certain things you see them you you can easily be creatively engaged with it so okay but maybe if you're in front of a computer shop who knows if you're in front of the shop which says an iphone you know and you've heard of this famous iphone i thought it was very interesting i saw that on tv when everybody kind of queued for the first iphone and they were all so excited and what do, what happened then when you see something ah oh, it's like the thing itself as a glow around it oh, why is it? and it's not just a thing you don't just see the thing you actually see what you invest in the thing in terms of happiness yes. ah, yes and the problem with that is generally it the glow doesn't last very long <laughs> it's gonna, a day or two not even that sometimes but you see when we look at the shop window what do we do what happened there in terms of that glow, how we are attracted. And I think, in a way, the advertisement really works on that because generally they kind of show things with a little glowy thing, too. I mean, it's kind of a little added there. Another thing which is very interesting with things which we can learn something else, is I think it's relatively normal to grasp at things that you see. Fair enough contact, grasping, normal. but also we cause ourselves suffering by grasping at things that are not there that we think should be there and notice if this happened to you because I saw this once when we moved to France and to, new, to a new house and we had to have some work done and we needed a staircase to go into the meditation room. And I had this vision of this beautiful staircase in wood, and it would be so. And we could not get the person, and we got another person to do it, and it was ah, very ordinary. And. <laughs> and after a while I noticed there was something funny going on when I went into the meditation room using that staircase and then I realized I was seeing two staircases (laughs) I was seeing the one that was there but next to it there was a beautiful imagined one and it was oh and when I saw it I thought what I added to it in a way the suffering I brought in, I let it go because I thought the staircase I had was good enough. I mean, I could go up the stairs and it did the job, even if it was the most precious staircase in the universe. But in a way, to to notice that when we're actually grasping at something that is not there. And I think sometimes we do the same with meditation. Insofar that sometimes I feel, do our meditation, meditating here, sitting here. And next to you, there is your alter ego, the perfect (laughs) meditator. So, here is this wonderful person next to you. And he he has amazing experience and no thought and whatnot. And then there is you. And I mean, in comparison, yeah, I mean, you don't come up to the mark. And you feel frustrated. And to notice when you do that, when there is that, you know, a grasping at that, imagine, image then you have the ear. so we hear sound, so we come in contact with sound yes. one minute we don't hear a sound, and then there is a sound and so when we're in contact with sound, what do we do? and in a way to see, and that's why the listening meditation is interesting and in a way, the problem on a retreat is that most of the time you don't have that much to, to, to listen to. I mean, a bit of the rogue, a bit of coughing, possibly a bit of heavy breathing time to time, but that's about it. And in a way, in daily life, we have much more opportunity to be in contact with health. And in a way, to see how we are with that. Because I remember one day, I had this experience, in, uh, again, working in our house. And we had to kind of destroy a bit of concrete and somebody came with a kind of a drill <laughs> and it really was really noisy very powerful noise and i had to do work in the garden right next to him and i found it was very interesting to go inside the sound of the drill and if i did not add anything to it if i don't did not identify with it in any way it was this amazing sound and really it did not bother me at all, as long as I was inside it, totally with the sound as it was. And so in a way, to, to notice with sound, what do I do with them? Can I listen to them? Can I use the meditation to go inside them and experience them in a different way? Then another thing which is interesting is where? I mean, words is again something we come in contact with and words, I think often we feel that we are quite strong and quite independent, actually I think notice how we are influenced by words, somebody speaks to us and how much we influenced by that, how much we might grasp at it and I remember once a friend came for din- lunch, just the two of uh. us, and the whole lunch, for 30 minutes, He talked nastily about somebody who I had no trouble with. By the end of the meal, I had trouble with that person. You know? And, it was, and I, then I thought, wait a minute. You know? And I noticed. And it's the same with television. When you listen to television, look what's going on. Sometimes you listen to something and suddenly you find like there is this shit you grasp what the person says and you identify in some way and it's really colour the way one is another thing to look at with words is in a way, what we do, how we identify with them once I had this experience and in a way, two different experiences one was when I was living in this community and we had this once a week meeting which were kind of a little intense (laughs) community meeting in the West are kind of you know consensual and everything so it's kind of always a little tough and that one evening the fellow one fellow decided that all his problem was me I had lots of problem with me and I I, know I was a terrible person and I was trying to organize him and he hated it and And, uh, I mean it was relatively painful you know when you hear this, you sit there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I thought, you know, better to creatively engage with it than grasp at it. And you know, so I listened to it. It was not very pleasant. But I could see that he had the point. I'm a little, you know, organizational. And I could see, you know, if I did this too much, people did not like it. So I okay, I learned from it. But another time, in another place in another context i was to see somebody it was part of my job to see the people one at a time and so i went to see the, the fellow i said oh oh yes now it's the time you know are you coming and suddenly he stood and he looked at me and said i am not coming i am fed up with you and you know why should i see you and for the 30 minutes it started to kind of very i was quite amazed he was very good. I say you know, kind of trying to get me this way, that way, you know, saying negative things about this. And really, he was really good. Very manipulative. Very interesting. Because generally, people don't do this to me. So it was fascinating. <laughs> but at the same time, I could see it had nothing to do with me. I had not done anything of what he said. So I, do, I mean it was not necessarily pleasant, you know, but I just stood there kind of, you know, again with that stability, that openness and I listened and then after 30 minutes, if he listens, well okay, you don't want to be clear, so be it, you know, <laughs> this is life, but it did not disturb me because I did not grasp at it, I did not identify, I saw very clearly. I creatively engage with it, I thought really, this is not about me. But then I thought, if he does this to other people, this is not very nice. So later I got in with somebody else, and we kind of tried to kind of talk to him, I'm coming down a little, and he came to see me anyway, but that's another story. But you see, in a way, I know it's not necessarily easy, but I think in a way the meditation helps us to develop that stability, that openness, so that in a way we have the choice to creatively engage with what we hear another thing with the sound is innocent um, ancient word. this I think is very interesting what are words? you hear, you come <coughs> in contact with a word but what is a word? it's just a little sonorous word it arrives and it's gone. But if the word is addressed to us it seems to get stuck somewhere. Especially if it's a word we don't like. They said this to me. And recently I had this experience. We have I had a friend and we were talking, and she seemed a little concerned and unhappy. I said, What's the matter? She said, Oh my husband. You know, it's time to time he said, nasty things to me. I said, really? You know what I mean? Really? I mean, every day? He said, no, 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 you know, I mean, every week, no, 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 you know, time to time. ah, and he said, well, you know, he said something about the washing. Like, I mean, I'm so stressed now, because he said something about the washing, and now when I go into the washing room, I'm really stressed, you know. And I said, but when did he say it? Did he say it like last week? He said, no, 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 he said it a year ago. <laughs> And then I realized, she, she said the word a year ago, which must be, it was three words at that moment for whatever reason, but she grasped at it. And this whole time, she was stressed. she was going to the room about three times a week or more than that. And every time there was that, instead of in a way creatively engaging, why did he say this, when did it happen, how can I be with this, etc. And so in a way to see what do we do? when we grasp, and in a way the suffering we might create in that way then there is a noise, there is a noise and there is a smell so we of smell so we come into contact with pleasant smell, we come into contact with unpleasant smell what do we do? so in a way here what, what, when you smell something what you can smell often in the evening is a toast Mm-hmm. 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 What do we do with that smell of toast? The smell of toast? Or mm-hmm, smell of toast? Mm-hmm. I would not mind the toast. Mm-hmm. But if they have the right breath, mm-hmm. what are we toasting anyway? And just kind of, in a way, when you are in contact with the smell, what do we do? How are we with it? One of my uh, practice used to be. I often go to airport and I really like perfume. I used to like perfume, but I can't wear it because I'm allergic to it. So I would kind of see that would be my practice so that I could feel, you know, all the perfume counter, and you can try everything, you know, I used to do this a lot and then I kind of started to puff up, so now I don't. And I could feel the like kind of like this. Oh, I want to do this. I want to and then to you have to become more aware of that Mm -hmm. and no this is not a good idea just smell and don't get too close but what was interesting I just had to do this a few times and now I don't do it anymore I mean I still smell but there is not that I would like it so much if I could do it so in, in a way it's also interesting when there is a creative engagement if you do this a few times it also in a way stops that kind of nearly automatic kind of grasping that kind of mm, I want this for myself and just to be able to be with it as it appears then there is a tone and so there is a taste and again uh, John talks a little about it and so again you know when we taste something if it's pleasant what happens if it's unpleasant? What happens? I mean, in some of here, generally, what we do, mm, I want more of it. And But what is interesting is that if you don't like it, how can I get rid of it? It's kind of, just to kind of notice, what do I do with the taste? But what is interesting with the taste is that there again we can learn something about that contact with food, with taste. But what I would call grasping at new experience the difference between creatively engaged with a new experience and an old experience and I had this with um, long ago with couscous for a long time ten years in Korea I had not eaten couscous and I loved couscous long ago so I go to Paris and I go to the a very good couscous place and i go and have this couscous and it is the greatest couscous in the universe (laughs) it's just amazing experience fantastic so what do i do the next day i want to reproduce the same experience to have the same fantastic etc so i go to the same place at the same time order the same thing and it is not fantastic anymore. It is just so. It's not bad, but it doesn't have that thing. And that's when I realized that often we actually grasp at the newness of the experience. That kind of, and then we want to recreate that newness. But you cannot have a new experience with an old thing. I mean, you can have a new experience with a new thing, but then you're kind of constantly wanting to have new experience with new things. When you could, I mean, I could still enjoy the couscous, but if I did not grasp at that newness that I experienced the day before. And actually what also that can tell us is about meditation experience. Unfortunately, the same thing happened there. You have your first meditation experience. Wow. Whamba. Ah, wow. Quietness. Clarity. Oneness, whatever it is. Wow. It feels amazing. But why does it feel amazing? In comparison with before. When you feel really stuck, really kind of you know tense and uh, Suddenly if it is a degasping, a releasing you will feel different <coughs> but the first experience is really amazing because compared to how you felt before yes, it's really different but then, you have it again and then, it's still nice but it's not like, wow, that first time in the Ganges in India but it was so amazing but because it was the first time I think you can have different experience which might be amazing but you cannot have the same one exactly in the same way especially with that of the first time i think we have to be careful there of am i grasping at the in itself am i grasping at the newness of the experience then you have the mind again i think it what is important to see is that we come into contact with thought. Because in a way we have that feeling when we have a running commentary, is that in a way we have merely a feeling that thought are always there. When actually one second the thought is not there and then pop, pops. You have the thought. Of whatever nature it might be a story, a thought, a plan, or whatever it is. And I think it's very that's why it's interesting when I talk of beginning when I talk in terms of thought it's not to analyze the thought where does it come from but more to be in contact with that thought when it appears that first moment before it was not there then the thought is there and at that moment the thought appears upon contact what do we do with the thought do we identify with the thought do we identify with the content of the thought or what the thought is telling us Do we then exaggerate and proliferate or do we just see a thought and then creatively engage with it do i need to think this thought more or can i just leave it where it is it appears i can drop it so in a way having more kind of movement there and to me this is interesting to see to really see in terms of the thought and I had that experience with a a lady once on a retreat, it was a a four day retreat like here and um, I saw the lady after a day and so I said, how are are you, she said, well it's my first retreat and last night was, you know, I had all these nightmares and I could not sleep, you know, all these monsters appearing in my mind, I mean, oh, I was, I was tough. So, I, so we talked about it, and I talked about thoughts and grasping and various things. And then, you know, the day went, and then the next morning I kind of, you know, tried to talk to her because I was a little concerned that she was going to the <coughs> same uh, thing. So I said, oh, how are you? I said, I'm fine. <laughs> I said, what happened? She said, well, last night I went to bed, and then as soon as I was falling asleep, the monster appeared again. But then I saw the monster had just appeared. It was not me. It had nothing to do with me. So I thought, well, it appeared, okay. Well, I don't need to do something with it. (laughs) And then it disappeared, and I went to sleep. And had a good night's sleep. And said, this is the first time I saw that this was not me. I had that soul, it appeared. There was this contact. And in a way, that's the first time she saw that there was a choice, she had the freedom to say okay, I don't need to do anything with it. And to me, this was creative engagement. This was kind of that moment of space, of freedom. Then there is sensation. So, I presume you have had various sensations, especially with the body as you sit here. And in a way, how? How we with sensation? How how can we creatively engage with our sensations? Many years ago, I would have attacks of pain. Suddenly, and the doctor, nobody could know why I had these attacks, and had all kind of ideas. And I just would have these attacks of pain, and and then I would take like six painkillers and just wait. I mean, it was kind of fairly intense and uh, nasty. And my greatest fear was: What if this happened when I'm traveling in an airport in an airplane? I mean, really, I'm going to fall apart. I mean, and then finally one day it happened. I was just going in the place. and then I felt it arise. And then I realized I just needed to be with it as it was, not to exaggerate, not to proliferate. But just to be with it as it was, and once I did that, actually I only needed two painkillers, and it was not pleasant, but it was okay. And it was such a difference when I was kind of, in a way, grasping at it, kind of holding on it. That really, it it seems it added so much more to the tension and so in a way to really I know sometimes it's not pleasant to see, especially on the ground and you have pain but sometimes to really play a little with that to see how can I be with this sensation in a different way how can I not add to the exaggeration of the proliferation and I had that experience on a retreat because of my sciatica one day and I was in Sweden, I was doing a Zen retreat when we walk, and I had a bit of sciatica. And so I walk for 10 minutes with everybody. And then I come back to sit, and I'm doing the bear. And I sit and my leg is on fire. I, I will never have such pain in my life. It was just throbbing, it was on fire. And then I thought, 30 minutes of this, mm-hmm. how, can I, how can I handle this, you know? And I just, again, creatively engaged with it. I just went inside it. And I've never been so concentrated in my life. (laughs) And every second I was aware of the leg. I was present to the pressure, to the throbbing. And actually the time went quite fast. And it was not painful as such. I mean, it was uncomfortable, but I was not suffering. what was interesting in connection to what um, John was saying and then at the end of the 30 minutes I rang the bell and I went to take two (laughs) (laughs) painkillers it's very important to see the creative engagement is not just about a bear I am with it I am with it it's also about I can do something there I can you know also alleviate the pain. I think it's very important to see that. The awareness is not just their awareness. That's why I talk of creative engagement. Creatively engaging with the sensations. So in a way, the problem is not with the contact nor the function of the senses. But in a way it's kind of do I reduce myself to what I come in contact with by grasping and identifying Or do I creatively engage? And then there can be a creative response. And to finish with, just quickly uh, in terms of feeling, because in a way it's the same thing, we we do the same with feeling. We grasp on the feeling and then we exaggerate and we can proliferate with feeling. And so I just wanted to say very briefly uh, something about fear. In terms of looking again at what I'm saying when I said you grasp at something that is not there. And with fear, what is very important to notice a lot of the time, especially in our modern world, especially in in our kind of uh, Western society, a lot of the time we are not in danger. It's very important to see fear is a survival mechanism. With my niece, I go jumping in the tree. There is this new thing now in France where you kind of just uh, go and they kind of harness you and then you just jump like Tarzan thousand or you kind of, you know, all kind of things. And it's very much working with fear. And so one of the things the niece wanted to do was to do the thousand kind of uh, course. And, you, you know, you jump three meters, then you jump five meters. And then you jump 10, 15 meters, woof. And so of course, I'm the auntie, I have to go first. So I go up, it was the first time. And the first time I have honest, it's totally safe. And my body say, no way. you <laughs> are <laughs> not going to do this. But since I am a bear, I have to do it. So I throw myself in the net, I climb up. And I arrive on the platform, and my body is shaking. I am fine. Inside, I have no trouble. But I can feel my body is going like this. And that's where I can... This is survival mechanism. My body is saying, wait a minute, this was dangerous, you know? <laughs> to me, what is important we fear when we feel afraid to test am I in danger or not right now? And to see that a lot of the time, the fear is in the future. That actually we're afraid, "Ah, but what if that happens? What if that continues? And the problem we fear in the future is that it is abstract. And in abstraction, your creative potential cannot be accessed this is a big problem we fear in the future and so the abstraction feeds on itself when actually when the thing happens you generally can deal with it this happened to a friend of mine for 30 years he was afraid if something happened my life will be finished i won't be able to stand it it will be horrible and so at the back of his mind for 30 years he had that fear that tension. And then finally, it happened. And I saw him that year, And he looked a little strange. I said, what's the matter? He said, you know, what I was afraid for so long, it happened. And I am fine. (laughs) I am fine. (laughs) And he was kind of like saying to me, why was I afraid for so long? And he was fine because in the moment of it, He could access his creative potential. But in the futuring of it, he could not. So, I will finish with this. uh, I was, when I'm really tired, one of the things I enjoy nowadays is zapping, because I have 18 channel free. (laughs) (laughs) And I enjoyed that. And uh, sociologically, it's kind of fun. And then one day, recently, I fell on Dinotopia, the film, not the series. And I thought, mm, what's that? It's kind of a little strange, and what they were saying was the film about kind of dinosaur and things like that. And I felt it was a little kind of, there's a certain interesting feel to it, that film. So I kind of watched it, I stayed with it. And then came this amazing moment. Everybody should see this film, just for that moment. And it was about, you know, you have about 10 minutes where you have this young man, which when you see him, you recognize him, but I won't tell you now. And it's all about fear. That 10 minutes is really about this young guy who is was, was really kind of timorous and, and he's always afraid. And he's learning to be a kind of flying, some kind of flying dinosaur or whatnot. And so, one of the exercises, is to jump over a cliff from one cliff to the other and of course there is this huge castle so here is our little timorous guy everybody can do it of course because the other ones are not afraid that God of fear and here is our little guy and then the instructor says fear is in the future jump now <laughs> and he doesn't joke. Because he is in the future, the little timorous guy. So he's not in the now. <laughs> Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.com